okay? Can you hear me? Can you hear me back there? Check one. There it is. Yeah. All right, so we'll give you a few minutes here to get back to your seats. I'm, I'm humming here. I'm still not talking to you. I'm still not talking to you. I'm not... You know, you know what? <laughs> All right, well, good morning, guys. Good morning. Glad to see everybody. Um, my name is Pastor Anson, so I'm going to uh, give a message that, was, that actually was given to me uh, quite a while back. Uh, me and my wife pray over this uh, verse quite often, so... Um, if you have your Bibles with you, if you don't, we have a few over at the side if you'd like one. But if you have your Bibles, let's turn to John chapter 3. It's the fourth gospel in the New Testament. So once you find your place in John chapter 3, we will be going to Galatians chapter 5. So you can sort of hold your place at one or the other there. So John 3 and then Galatians chapter 5. So um, our focus today is going to be really on one verse. It's John 3.30. Uh, and it's, it's been a verse that has sort of helped me through my life. It's, he must become greater, I must become less. Um, and so they, if you've noticed, there's a blue uh, sticker on your seat, and it's got the he, greater sign, little i, and that sort of represents that. So that's a little gift from, um, from us. And, and so you can put that on you know, your notebooks or your glass on your vehicle, whatever, just to help you remember about that verse, okay? All right, so today we're going to take a look at, the, at, look at what that means for us, okay? Now, I did ask a few friends just to see what they think about that verse, you know. Um, and from, from, the, from the onset, it looks pretty self-explanatory, you know. I must become less, he must become greater, right? And then uh, one of my friends said, maybe our desires must become less, his desires must become greater. So that would equate maybe to the will of the Father in our lives, right? Less of my will, more of His will. And so that's kind of the focus. So what, what, what I talk through, the message will just be centered around that. All right, so before we get started, though, I have to give an illustration. I think every sermon has to have an illustration. I don't know if it's written in the book somewhere. I don't know. You, you pastors can tell me what, how that works. So, so, all right, so imagine with me one moment that you come home to your bathroom and your sink is flooded over, Okay? So the faucet is on, wide open, it's filling up the, the sink, and the drain cannot keep up with the water. So it starts to spill over the front of the cabinet. Oh my gosh, I mean, this is, this is disastrous. What, what do we do? What do we do? Um, let me think, let me think. Um, I'll get a mop. I'll get a mop, and I can mop it up, right? We'll mop it, we'll wring it out, we'll, we'll mop some more, wring it out, but it's too much water. I, I, I can't keep up with the water. Um, what am I going to do now? I'll get a bigger mop. That'll work. So, so I'll go to the extra-large mop store, buy an extra-large mop, mop this water up and wring it out and mop it up over here and wring it out. And, man, there's just there's too much water. Um, let's see. I know what. I can take a class on mopping. I'm sure they have them. So I'll go take a class. I'll learn all I can about mopping. I'll come back. I'll refocus, and I'll rededicate to mopping better. So I'm mopping, and I'm mopping over here. There's still too much water. Hmm. I can hire somebody. 
man, you know, I can hire somebody to do the mopping for me and they'll take care of it, right? Good. So pay somebody, he's going to come and mop. And I'm watching him mop and um, he's no better than I am. I took the class, so I'm just the same as him. So he, he can't keep up with the water either. I, I guess I just have to, have to live with it. I'm just going to have to live in a, a flooded house. I'll just get some boots. It'll be fine. I'll get some boots, probably a waterbed. I mean, <laughs> it'll be fine. I can, I can live with it, right? What am I missing, though? I wonder what I, I, I could have done. What do you think the, the solution is here? You can shout it out. Everybody knows. Why didn't I turn off the faucets? <laughs> All right. We can move, too. That's fine. Why didn't I turn off the faucet, though? So in this illustration, let's, let's think about the faucet being our, our spiritual lives, okay? So that is the old us. The faucet is the old us, the old lives before we gave our hearts to Christ, okay? But what happens is we allow that faucet to run. It makes a mess. And all we do is spend our time mopping and trying to clean up the mess that our old self has left us. Right? Anybody relate? The, um, the whole solution is right in front of us, though. We have to turn off the faucet. So our old self, our old life, must become less so he can become greater. We have communication cards that are scattered throughout the chairs. We announce this every Sunday, um, and, I, and I will a little later. But what we do with the cards is we allow you to give us information um, about what's going on in your lives, especially on the back, we have a, a place for prayer. So through the week, uh, me and Pastor Tom and, and a few other leaders, we will pray for those requests, and that sometimes they're longer. Sometimes they're prayer requests that just go on and on for a little while. Through all those prayer requests, though, there is something that comes up very often, and it is, I wish I could be closer to God. That by itself is a, is a great prayer. I mean... I feel like all of us should have that prayer in our daily prayer life. When we, we go down on our knees to pray, that should be almost the first thing we, we say is, I want to be closer to God. Um, that prayer kind of reflects our willingness and our desire here, okay? But I believe it takes a little more than that. There are some other steps that God wants us to do so that, for that to happen, Okay? All right, so this is where we're going to look at Galatians chapter 5. So if you've reserved your finger in your Bible for Galatians chapter 5, we're going to look at verses 22 and 23. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, forbearance, which is patience to me, um, kindness, gentleness, self-control. Against such things there is no law. Um, Against such things there is no law. That last line threw me for a little bit of loop, but I, I believe what I, what I feel like it means is, is there's probably no limit. You know what I mean? So there's no law against you getting all of the love, joy, patience, kindness that, that you can handle in your lives. And so I believe today that there's probably not a person sitting in this room that wouldn't say they, won't, they don't want more of these things, more love and joy and peace, right? And you wouldn't say that. You would say, no, I'm good. I got, I got enough. You, you wouldn't want more patience and self-control that might help you with your relationships. 
Maybe you can build into your family differently. I don't know if there's anybody here that we say that. And I believe with all my heart that this can happen if we become less and he becomes greater. And it's got nothing to do with you accepting Christ as your Savior. I do believe there's all of us have accepted Christ to some level, right? We all acknowledge we need the Savior. We all acknowledge that our life is not good without Him. But is our walk reflecting the fruits of the Spirit? That's where you need to take a look. Um, where, where Pastor Kevin was talking about looking on the inside and, and finding that out for ourselves. So, how can we become less and He become greater? So, we are going to talk, look at John chapter 3. So, that would be the next thing if you want to flip back over there. So, most of us know about John the Baptist. He's a pretty, pretty prominent um, person, pretty important person in the gospel. Um, he's, he's actually in all four of the gospels. We're going to look at John today. Um, but, but even in Matthew, in the book of Matthew, it talks about uh, John was the, the one crying in the wilderness, okay, prophesied by Isaiah in the Old Testament. And so he's the one that says, repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And really, I think he only had just one sermon his whole life. He preached one message, and that was about the coming Messiah. And so, so I guess he didn't get invited into the city much, so he had to live out in the woods. And, and he had a kind of a crazy little life there, camel's hair for clothes and eating locusts, which is like a grasshopper, and, and honey. So um, may, you know what? Maybe that's what it takes, honey. I think we're going to have to... No? Okay. She says no. All right. So, but anyway, his ministry was doing well in the wilderness. So people were coming from Jerusalem, Judea, all the way around the Jordan River coming to repent and be baptized by John. And so there's, there's even a, sorry, there's even a section where Jesus himself comes to John and gets baptized. And John's like, oh, wait a minute, you know, you should be baptizing me. I'm not even worthy to tie your sandals. This is what he thought about Jesus. He, he knew Jesus was the one that he was talking about. So John, John the Baptist's ministry was going well. He had a lot of followers and disciples there with him. Um, but Jesus comes into the same area, and that's what we read in John. So Jesus comes in the same area, and he's brought his disciples, and they're also baptizing in the river. So from outsiders, it might have looked like opposing camps, right? There's two different groups doing the same thing. So read with me in John 3, verse 22. After this, Jesus and his disciples went out into the Judean countryside where he spent some time with them and baptized. Now John also was baptizing at Anon near Salem because there was plenty of water and people were coming, coming and being baptized. This was before John was put in prison. An argument developed between John and some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and asked him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one that you testified about, look, he's baptizing and everyone is going to him. So, so to John's disciples, they were like, wait a minute. I mean, isn't this what we do? I mean, we've been doing this forever. That's, that's kind of our thing, right? Everybody's going over to see Jesus. Now, this argument over uh, the, with John's disciples and a certain Jew over the ceremony of washing, I wonder, I wonder if that was something like 
Well, here's John the Baptist, and he's preaching about Jesus. There's Jesus right there. I can see him. Why don't I get baptized by Jesus? I can see that argument coming up. What, I mean, what is different about your water, John, and Jesus' water? And so I wonder if that was the thinking. Um, it doesn't really talk about it that much, but, but that, that's what it appears to me to be about. Why should John baptize me? I can have Jesus baptize me. So, so John has a great response here. So we're going to pick it up on, on verse 27. To this John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from heaven. Right there, he, he automatically knows everything's a gift from God. The people that he, he's baptized to, to date are a gift from God. If they're being sent to Jesus, it's because God wills it. Right there, it's a great statement. Verse 28, you yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The, bridge belongs, the bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and is now complete. So he's, he's saying right away, look, I told you Jesus was coming. This is the one. So it, sh- it shouldn't matter that he's baptizing now. And he said, let me give you an example. Um, what he's talking about here, the one who attends a bridegroom, it's like the best man for a groom, okay? So he's going to help the groom celebrate and get ready, and, and he's going to be just as happy as the groom to get married because it's his friend, probably his best friend. So he's just as excited. So John is comparing that to him. And so back in biblical times, I was reading a little bit about it. When folks got married back then, they didn't... Uh, move in together right away. They actually stayed separate and they went back home and they would get their houses in order and I guess they would pack or do whatever. Um, and I even read that sometimes that's up to a year long. So you imagine getting married and then going back home for another year? I mean, I got married to get out. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Mom, dad, I'm kidding. But, but anyway, so what happens is the best man goes and kind of stands guard uh, where the bride is, and, and I guess he's just, he's just making sure things are going okay, that no other suitors maybe are coming by to ask what's going on, and, and that, that just gives them plenty of time to get ready, so that when the bride, I mean, the groom actually comes to take his wife, he's happy, because he hears the groom coming, and his joy is filled. And so he ends that statement with um, verse 30, he must become greater, I must become less. He understood this phrase all too well. The whole point of his existence, I think, was to exalt the name of Jesus. And he knew it. He knew it. As soon as Jesus come, that's it. It's time for Jesus. He knew that. So how do, how do we get to where John the Baptist is? Um, we're, we're almost in the same boat. We're, almost, we're essentially waiting on Jesus now, right? It's the same thing. So how do, we, how do we get there? We're called to preach the gospel, minister to people, care for them, help people repent and be baptized. That's why we have church. How do we get there? All right, so we've got three points. Number one, I think we need sacrifice. Everybody understands what sacrifice is. So if you've ever played a sport, or if you've had a hobby in your life, you know what sacrifice means. It takes time to practice, to learn the sport or learn the art, whatever it is you're doing. You, it takes money, right, to buy equipment, to buy stuff that, that's going to um, keep your hobby going. 
It takes energy. It takes energy to accomplish whatever it is you want to do, the, the contest, the game, you know, you know, even if it's just you know, personal. For me, I think a while back it was fishing. I enjoy fishing, but it costs money. I mean, you have to buy all kinds of stuff, and you have to go fishing. You know, you can't just do it from your bedroom. You have to go somewhere and be away from your family and sit, sometimes for hours, and not catch anything. And it's even worse for me because I don't eat fish. So I'm sort of wasting the, wasting the, the benefit of catching fish. So a couple of years ago, I, God really hit me with that and, and said, you're just, spending, you're just spending a lot of time doing this fishing thing. So, so he asked me to back up on the fishing and treat it as a blessing. So now when I get to go, it's, it's not, not as often, but it feels special to me now. It's, it's more... It's more um, of a blessing now because I, I set it aside. I, I sacrifice that to have more time with my family, stuff like that. So that, that we, we understand that idea. There's even a story that talks about um, a rich ruler that comes to Jesus. And, and so uh, some of you may know the story. I'll, I'll brief it real quick. So he says, good teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And uh, he says, well, why do you call me good? No one is good except God. You know the commandments. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not murder, steal, give false testimony. You must all honor your father and mother. He says, I've I, I done it. I mean, I'm in. I mean, all these things I've, I've done since I'm a boy, I, I'm in. So Jesus says, well, you lack one more thing, though. He can, I think he could tell. Of course, Jesus could tell what's going on. Sell everything you have and give to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven and come follow me. I think what I know now, the drop of a hat. If Jesus said that to me, sell all your stuff, come follow me. If he's physically standing there, I'm going to want to follow him. This rich ruler didn't understand that concept of sacrifice. He wasn't willing to give that up, that part of his life up, to follow Jesus. The disciples, they gave up family, their businesses, to follow Jesus. So it says, when he heard this, he became very sad because he was very wealthy. He wasn't willing to sacrifice. So I think we all need to take a look and find out. And, and I think it's easier to see. You can, you can tell where your time is going. You can tell where your money's going. It's easy to see. There's a bank account. There's online banking. You, you'll be able to see exactly where that stuff is going and find out. You might need to sacrifice something. The next thing I think we need is um, we need humility. I think God hates pride. We're so full of it. We're so full of it sometimes we won't see where we need help. Okay? We won't see ourselves as we truly are. So we won't stop and get help for ourselves. I think pride is is probably one of the most powerful tools that the enemy likes to use on us. I mean, he used it in the very beginning of time with Eve. You want to be like God? Eat the apple. That was pride. Eve said, okay, I would like that. Even though God told me not to, I would like that. So this pride is in everything that we do. It's in our business world. It's in competitive sports. I mean, it is everywhere. And if you're not careful, it will take over. Um, there's a verse in Philippians. 
If you happen to have your Bibles, we can go to Philippians chapter 2, verse 3 through 8, but I'll have it up here. Um, this is, I think this is great to read over if you think this is something that is, is affecting your life, then this may be something you put up on your prayer wall or, or in your Bible. Verse 3 says, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships one with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus, who began in very nature... God did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and being found in appearance as a man. He humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Um, So when, when Jesus was talking to the disciples, he asked them to take up their cross, follow me. Whoever wants to save their life will lose it, but whoever loses their life for me will find it. It's not about you, okay? It's not about you. I tell my kids that all the time, but I don't think they listen. (laughs) It's not about you. God has a greater purpose for you, a greater plan. And, And guess what? We're all in it together, okay? You're not on your own even, okay? So this is for all of us. Watch that pride. The next thing I think we need is hunger. One of the Beatitudes from, from Jesus' uh, Sermon on the Mount, um, if you haven't read it, that's a great section to read, but one of them says, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Now, to me, I didn't necessarily grow up with these words, but righteousness felt a little bit like a, like a churchy kind of a word. You just don't use it out in regular conversation. So I kind of looked it up to see... Um, and it gave me a couple of words that go with it, like goodness, honor, and virtue. Okay, now those I can connect with a little bit better here. So let's read this again. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for goodness, for honor, and virtue, for they will be filled. You have to hunger for the things of God. I mean, they're they're not necessarily always going to fall into your lap. Sometimes God does the miracles, but... I think he wants you to chase after it. He wants you to look for it. He wants you to look for the good in people. He wants you to look at at opportunities where you can be kind to people and you can care for people. You ever had a a craving for food, for something you wanted to eat? Like for me, a couple weeks ago, it was like a hot dog. For some reason, just I'd run around looking for hot dogs. When my wife was was pregnant, one of her breakfast cravings one time was, was it chocolate milk, corn, and pickles? Yeah, oh, I know, yeah. But, but that was her cravings, and, and that's what she wanted. And I, and I think we all can understand that concept. That's the same craving that you need to have for Jesus. So, because nothing else is going to satisfy, nothing in this world. You can try it. We just walked through Ecclesiastes, and it tells you in Ecclesiastes, you can try it all. Nothing will satisfy. Sometimes we just need to get over ourselves here. Um, God wants us to be His, okay? He places us higher than the angels. Think about that for a minute. He loves you so much that you're above the angels in heaven. He loves you so much 
He sent his son to save us. So your value in that should want you, should push you to hunger for him, to put away your pride, to sacrifice. Um, I read an, an article, it's, it's kind of interesting. Um, in 1996, there was an auction for the Jackie Kennedy Onassis estate. Okay, and so tons of stuff, you know, through the presidency and, and through the life after. But they were expected to bring in about $5 million to the sale of the items there. And this was all going to go to the kids, of course, and, and um, whatever they needed for, for their, their futures. But the first night alone, they took in $4.5 million in one night. I got some examples here of, of things that, that sold. A worn-out footstool, a footstool went for $33,000. A silver tape measure, I mean, something I could probably go to, to Lowe's or Home Depot and pick up, a silver tape measure sold for $48,000. Um, one of the night's highest prizes or prices uh, was a walnut tobacco humidor that belonged to President Kennedy. You know, you put cigars in it, I guess, and it keeps them moist. So it, I don't think it's very much, but somebody paid $574,000 for this piece. Why did they pay so much? It wasn't because of the items. It's because who the items belong to. You're stamped the same way from God. You belong to God. So he hold you in high value. The next time you're, you're wondering that, you need to remember you're valuable, you're wanted, you're needed. He loves you that much. I'm going to ask the band to, to go and make their way back up. Short message today. We'll get in front of the buffet line pretty quick. So, so we're going to play for just a, just a few minutes, but I'm going to ask you some questions. And I'll give you a minute to, to pray as I pray for you. But um, you certainly need to ask yourself this morning. Are you giving God room to work in your lives? Is that faucet still on? Are you still going back to that? Turn the faucet off. Find those ways in your life where you can become less. He can become greater. And you won't be sorry. You'll see the blessings and you'll see the miracles that are in our lives. They're everywhere, but we're not looking for them because we're stuck on ourselves and pride and, and we're stuck cleaning up the messes. We don't have time to look for the blessings, do we? But they're there. This morning, if there's a decision that you need to make, then you can't let another minute go by, another second go by. So think about that. Let me pray for you. Dear Heavenly Father, well, we thank you so much for, for what you do in our lives. We thank you so much for what you're doing at Wendover Hills Church. Would you just give us the strength, the courage, and the, and the boldness to to turn that water faucet off, to not let those flooded waters take over us anymore, 
Help us to believe that we don't have to just live that way. There's a greater plan, a greater purpose for us. We ask that you just continue to soften our hearts. Help us to become less as you become greater. In our hearts, in our relationships, in the way we care and minister to people. Help us to search ourselves. That's probably the hardest thing is to admit that there's an issue. Probably the hardest thing to do is to tell your loved ones that there's something that, that needs to be taken care of in your life. But help us to do that. Be with us. Remind us that you've called us to repent and be baptized. Help us to continue thinking this way through our weeks to come, our months to come. How can we become less and you become greater? Thank you for the cross. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.